Did you know Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to increase the size of almost all your orders? Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks, no coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, or Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrades, cross-sales, or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you could boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Now, hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you could do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. In today's episode, a cookie brand born in farmer's markets has a chance Instagram encounter with the lead singer of Imagine Dragons and ends up giving back to the LGBT community in the process. That's quite the journey. Joining us to tell us about it is Han Shry from Wonderkex. This is the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Hans, welcome. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, Kurt. So, all right. Wonder Kicks, what the heck is it? What do you sell? We sell cookies and brownies. Brownies have become quite important lately. But yeah, cookies and brownies, so basically baked goods. So you've got, you have an online store. Is it on Shopify? Yeah. yeah. So we have a Shopify store, sells baked goods. How long ago, when did you start that? We actually, well, actually it's a long story. We started this brand in my mother's kitchen like 10 years ago it was a side business and this was back in guatemala but and then we moved to austin in 2019 basically to start over again to figure out how to get to work and this was january 2019 so we started doing farmers markets and frankly e-commerce was not really in our purview at that moment we're just we'll figure it out when we get there we're going to figure out what's the best approaches so we did farmer market for a little over a year we went great all right so you the initial idea happens in Guatemala, where you're from, I assume. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And then you move to Austin. You still don't really have the brand or business, but you start selling in farmer's markets. Actually, we had the brand. The brand existed ever since okay. we, like 10 years ago. And we, when our original idea was, uh, because in Guatemala, we used to make like custom cakes, like wedding cakes and the whole thing and pies and all types of pastry. And when we came here, we had a similar idea of what we wanted to do, but our main goal was to go into retail. And that's what we're working for. Actually, we're testing six types of cookie dough every week in the farmer's market and giving samples and getting feedback and the whole thing. So that's where we're going. Like Luis always says that we don't really have a post office in Guatemala. So 
it was really not something, you know, you know, it's like, it's the type of thing that for us, when we came here, like, oh, you can order Amazon, it's going to he be here tomorrow. That was kind of new for us. So e-commerce was not on a, on a radar and we never even understood or we, we didn't know that even at DTC, that DTC was a thing and that there was a DTC community and it was like such a big thing and so full of people. So it took a while and it was really not our choice to get into e-commerce, but thankfully it worked very well when we did. So initially you started in these these farmers markets mm -hmm. talk to me about that uh, my father-in-law sells uh has a successful micro hydroponic microgreens business that started in farmers market so i don't doubt for a second the legitimacy of a farmers market to start a business um but talk me through that experience what are the the, the pros uh in your eyes of using or getting started in farmers markets do you know when brands grow the hardest part and is to actually make the time to speak to real people and to understand what they actually have to say about your product and how they introduce it into the routine. So, and that happens particularly in e-commerce brands, but even retail brands, because you go into 5,000 doors, it's gonna be very difficult to talk to people. And frankly, when you grow to make the time to actually be deliberate about it. So the way we approached it was, this is an opportunity because we, we came to Austin and we knew no one. So this is an opportunity to talk to a ton of different people every day to get them to buy in, to come back with their comments for next week and to keep going back and forth. And it was, as frankly, I recommend this to everyone who is in the CPG space in any way to do the farm market. In our case, we actually needed the money. It was a, it was a good way to make a living that first week because it's, there's a big farmer, farmer's market culture in, in Austin. But even if you don't need the money, to be there day in and day out talking to people and then you will find a ton of things like, to give you a, this is a silly idea, but people thought that we were selling half dozens. Actually, it was seven cookies, but people thought that we were half dozens, so we ended up doing just half dozens because people were like getting a free cookie out of nothing. And that is the type of thing that you will never learn on your, unless you're actually doing the sampling yourself. So that is, I would say, it is not what will grow your business, but it is what will give you all the insights to grow your business. So one of the, a frequent theme on this show is successful brands talk to their customers and easier said than done. Like until you have put yourself in these shoes, it sounds like this throw, oh, you should talk to my customer, duh, Kurt. Yeah, until you actually go try to do it and you discover it's extremely awkward and odd in most situations. Absolutely. Where Absolutely. the farmer's market setup, uh, brilliant because it takes all of that away and it, it's local it's in person. And so you see a lot of the same people over and over. So you were able to iterate through versions of your product by just going to the farmer's market. Absolutely. That is the, that is the whole point. Like, and it's very like, even for to understand how it plays, like when you have a portfolio of products, in our case, people, we, people love that we have these original new flavors and we add weird things to cookies, but they buy the chocolate chip cookie anyway. And that is the type of thing that you can learn and appreciate when they're saying like, oh my God, we brought, we had six flavors and we brought 20 of each and we sold out of all of the chocolate chip. People wanted more, but these super attractive, it was called lemon wildflower. People love it. People talk about it. People say, oh, I would love to give this to my mom. She would love it, but they are not buying it. And what, what I've seen, since it's so immediate and it's actually in person and you get to think next week, okay, so how much product I'm gonna bring next week? You don't have to wait for your China supplier to build it for you. So it gives you like a very realistic idea of what at 
basically what is what attracts people to what you're doing and what they're actually purchase which sometimes is different and a lot of these what people say and what they want and what people actually want are two different things and a lot of time with founders is a bigger a bigger problem because you created this amazing new special variety of cookie and people don't care for it but you're obsessed with it so you try to push it so it's a very good way i would say to be forced to be looking at real data all the time the the phrase we heard on our uh last or previous uh, podcast episode was you can't read the label from inside the jar so you're <laughs> the business owner you're making it it is really easy to get obsessed with like well this is the thing i'm into but also you're super into baking more so than most people absolutely so a, the chocolate chip is pedestrian and boring to you by this point but to everybody else that's like the classic quintessential cookie treat thank you uh was it hershey's or nestle somebody the chocolate chip recipe in the u.s was like printed on the back of a chocolate chip bag isn't where it came from or toll house i think it's toll house i think all of them do a version of it even there was an episode of friends dedicated to that remember but yeah absolutely i agree and took us a while to figure out and particularly because I started the business like on my mom's kitchen and then Luis joined later and having a co-founder that joined it a little bit later it takes a while to get into that place where you're comfortable killing your darlings and we have a lot of them because oh like the best thing that I have ever baked it's a peach basil pie amazing the best thing I ever baked I never sold a single one because it's too unused they're not used to it yeah yeah and it's very good but it's not where a bakery maybe this was a dessert that was fit for a restaurant so you need to learn your channel and learn to question your yourself and actually look at the data because it's very easy to look the other way and to say yes i want this and this is this is my vision for how people should eat cookies I think that when you are in that position, you're doomed. If you are trying to tell customers how they are supposed to live, they are going to go elsewhere who is going to offer them how they want to live. Yeah, you can't. It's it's tough to force them to your vision. Absolutely. On the Wonder Kicks website and what you've described to me, your farmer's market experience, 100% cookies. And it sounds like the, the brand, the website started with just cookies. As a baker, though, like, there's so much more you could make. Like you mentioned, the, the basil peach pie, which frankly sounds amazing. I love basil and exotic uses of basil. <laughs> um, talk to me about saying no to yourself and limiting that catalog. Because I could see very easily, you could, if I gave you a week, you could balloon this thing to dozens and dozens of different types of product. Oh, yeah. At one point, I think we had 22 flavors of cookies, which was untenable. It was not because, again, like, but I love this. I, we need to remove the, the, the cranberry cookie, for instance, was one like, I love that cookie. We cannot remove that. Yes, but we have the, I think it was hot cocoa, something, something. Yeah, but we love that too. And at the end, like, okay, let's go to the data. Let's pick up what are the top 10 sellers and we're going to remove the rest. And that's that's going to be that. But yes, you know, one of the things that, I that I've learned, I'm, I am a very creative person. Constraints breed creativity. And you can see this, for instance, in this, you see like, but some of the Marvel movies are a good example. They have infinite money and they do like, eh, whatever, like they're fine. They are, they are, I guess what you would expect. And then you see like smaller movies with a tighter budget. Like, I don't know if you ever see like this, uh, everything everywhere all at once, which is oh, insane. I, it's on insane. my list. It looks so good. You have to. And that is the result 
of constraints, of having to be extremely creative. So in our case, the constraints on one side came from us, well, the budget, because I'm pretty sure that I can figure out how to ship a wedding cake, but it's gonna be very expensive. And the other thing is that, okay, we need to ship this. So the way to get this done is to ship it. It needs to last a certain time. So, so think of a, like, a Venn diagram and you start removing and removing and removing and removing and then you find your one little piece of the your one little piece of what you get to do and that allows you to really play with what you're doing and to really find this is the very best version of this little thing because otherwise I can make a decent pie and I can make a decent cake and I can make decent a lot of things but by really being focused on one thing we get to do like a very good version of that within the constraints because one of the things that is like, oh, you should put frosting in cookies. And yes, but we cannot ship a cookie with frosting. We have seen competitors try it and it's an absolute disaster. So <laughs> you learn, you learn, like, you know, you, you learn to stop fighting a, to stop fighting against the constraints and embrace them. That's how we build everything that we do. It's like there's this healthy balance between, okay, these are the limitations that we have and this is what we want to build. So let's figure out what's the middle ground. So do we need this a piece of equipment? Okay, fine, we can get that piece of equipment. But maybe the piece of equipment is a million dollars. Okay, so probably that's uh, later down the line type of thing. But in the end, it's just about like learning to work with what you with what you have and what is available. So in our case, for instance, we are limited to a, a certain type of cookie because otherwise they wouldn't travel well. And so that's allowed us to keep iterating on the same type of cookie once and again and again and again. I love this concept that you embrace those constraints, working within your sandbox, within your constraints, as opposed to fighting against it, life gets easier. And it forces you to, when you start getting into that Bear Grylls mindset of like improvise, adapt, overcome, suddenly you're coming up with very creative solutions that you may not have otherwise, especially in a scenario where it's like, well, I could just spend my way out of it. I could just throw money at a problem. When you can't do that, there's a lot of advantage to coming up with alternative solutions, workarounds, um, and it changes your your thinking and how you go about it. I love the idea. Do you, and this is a tough question, do you have any practical examples of, of working within your constraints in your business? <laughs> I have an example of how, like, how we made it work against the constraints because when we first, like the reason we ended up in the in e-commerce was that well uh we're doing the farmers markets and we had a big opportunity to do a pop-up store for south by southwest and that was going to be like the little jars of cookies uh, i think it was three cookies each something like that and at that time it was just me and luis we had a kitchen that we rented by the hour and we had a freezer full of twenty-five thousand cookies and then we all know what happened in 2020 with South by Southwest and the rest of everything that was happening. So we got canceled and we're stuck. I think we owe $14,000 in a credit card from that. And the cookies, we needed to figure out what to do. And the farmer's market were about to close and the stores were not placing any more orders. So it was like, okay, what do we do? And we started doing like this. Uh, people were very nice to us. People were, people in Austin are like, they real Texas is like very friendly in that regard. People really, really embrace you. And people were like, oh, yeah, this is nice. Uh, I'm going to get four containers. I'm going to give them to my neighbors. Oh, thank you. Like, so instead of oh, if the, instead of spending her usual $15, this lady was spending 60 Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And then she came back like, I would love to send some to my mom. Oh, yeah, we can do that. So we had a Squarespace website back then, which has a, an e-commerce functionality. <laughs> it has an e-commerce functionality, but it's not really good for e-commerce in so many ways. 
And we figure, oh yeah, we can do that. We can put them on the site. Awesome. And we put them on the site, which was great. And we had 40 orders. We had never ever shipped anything. We didn't have boxes to ship it. And frankly, we didn't know if our containers were gonna ship it. Like, kind of did, thank God. And then, it was nothing, it was like 40 orders you can handle. Even if you even had to write the, the labels by hand, you can figure it out. And then what happens, I went to bed on Sunday, and on Monday, we wake up to 700 orders. On, again, if I'm guessing everyone, every listener here is a Shopify person, so on this was on a Squarespace website. Let me make this very, very clear. 700 orders because Busy Phillips, who has 2 million followers on Twitter, retweeted our thing about this, uh, we basically we were doing a hashtag screw, so it was the screw emoji with a pink background. Retweeted that, ordered herself like $500 worth of cookies, so she did cookie content the whole week. That Chrissy Teigen, that Jose Andres, and we went viral. And it kept going, so and we got rid of the- Busy Phillips, the the actor, actress? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Wow, okay. And that was organic, you didn't know? No, they didn't know. Like we were like, okay, please, hey, people, help us. This small business is going under because South by got canceled, and South by was the first thing, the first big thing to get canceled because of the pandemic. So no, it was absolutely, it was absolutely organic, and it kept going. And next thing we know, we have a reporter from uh, the Wall Street Journal calling, and then we have a reporter from Vanity Fair calling, and then we got Fox, and it kept going. It was insane, and we got rid of the twenty-five thousand cookies. And then some, like I think we had 35,000 cookies. And that's how we started an e-commerce. And the thing is that in our cases, what has worked for us has been to say, okay, stop, calm down, figure it out, and not overcommit, but really get to work. Like something that is something that we have learned. And, and I don't know what has happened to us that we are very calm in the times of crisis, because I think we were very calm when the first, when they canceled Salby, we were very calm. When the 700 showed up, we never, uh, I had never shipped through UPS, like five orders maybe, or five something, <laughs> but I didn't know how to handle it. The cookies needed to be baked and we were not prepared to bake that insane amount of cookies so fast. So it, it, it was an absolute nightmare. But then we we're like, okay, we can either, we were like, we can either stop it, get them off the website and not take advantage of this opportunity that's presenting itself and just re get rid of the 700 orders and stop which was an option, or we can figure it out and figure out what's the best way to approach it. So instead of instead of panicking, you say, okay, we have a problem, people are wanting it, so we're gonna ship it, and then we're gonna figure out what the next step is. But at the end of the day, like those, those 35,000 cookies was a lot of money that we couldn't afford not to have at that point. So, so that's how we work all the time. Actually, we have bootstrapped the business this far, and a lot of it has been about being choiceful and saying no to opportunities like there was an airline that wanted the cookies in their planes <laughs> like that is not a profitable business at all but it is great for acquisition and we had to say no and we've learned to say no and learning to say no and to just say maybe later at some point has been the biggest blessing for us accidents happen maybe you installed an app and it messed up your theme or a store collaborator deleted product images by mistake common myth 
Shopify is a backup that you can use when something goes wrong with your store. Untrue, they don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind to equip your Shopify store with automated backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix and Movement Watches. It's even a Shopify Plus certified app. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Find it in the Shopify App Store or visit rewind.com. Your mindset and your approach are tremendous. I mean, really quite uh, beneficial in that you don't panic. You're working within these constraints. And ultimately what that leads to is you get everything you can out of everything you have access to. And that is absolutely the way to to go about a successful business, especially bootstrapped, but also uh, not a terrible way to live life either. So I found uh, Busy Phillips tweet. You tweeted, you said, want to help a small business survive? South by Southwest canceled. Here's your chance. Get our We Are So Screwed pack and send it to someone who needs some ATX love. She retweets it and adds, hi, this small business thought they were making 25,000 cookies for South by Southwest. Then it was canceled. They have 25,000 cookies to unload. Let's all buy some. Who doesn't love cookies? And they go and start it tags Chrissy Teigen. Wow, this is incredible. And this was on March 7th, 2020. That was like early COVID's coming, pandemic started. Super what early. What are we going to do? The, yep. Super early. This was when the, when we're all go, where there was no toilet paper and we're all going to the grocery stores wearing gloves, but no mask. Remember that time? Right. Yeah. They were like masks. You don't need masks. Gloves are no. the thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was, you know what, what has really informed that way of approaching things. We took the jump and we, we decided to come to the, to the US. Basically it's a long story, but basically because we couldn't get married in Guatemala and we we're like, we want to be married because you know, you, you know what happens when you live in a place like that? You normalize all the things that you can have. You normalize the violence, you normalize the discrimination. And then you go outside and say, hey, this is not okay. So that's how we ended up, how we ended up here. So in a way we had already, because we sold everything that we had. We came with our four dogs and two suitcases and we sold everything. And we have, I think the first month we, we had an air mattress and for a long time our dining rate our dining table was our farmers market table so we would disassemble it and take it to the farmers market and so i guess we already had taken the jump the big jump so everything that came afterwards was just we just need to power through this even now like we're actually we're right now we're fundraising because we're trying to get to, to go to retail and it's just a jump, just another jump, and it's super difficult. They probably chose the worst possible quarter to fundraise, but it's just we already took the plunge. Like, what is the other option? Do we go back to Guatemala, which is decidedly is not something that we want to do? So no, okay, so we keep fighting. I can't imagine how difficult it would be to to sell everything, move to a different country uh, with a different language, makes things harder. It's just tremendously terrifying, more than than I think I would be able to do. But at the beginning of this episode, at the, the top of the show, I said that you collaborated with the lead singer of Imagine Dragons. Oh yeah. And I want, and I know nothing more. I, I wanna hear the story. Oh, this is actually, it's super funny. And like Dan, like we, we met him and we, we talked to him and everything before, but we actually met him in person uh, on the Love Loud Fest in May. 
And I think he's my favorite straight man. He's a del just a delightful <laughs> person. A delightful person. He's so nice. But how that happened is that he ordered cookies for us. He saw us and ordered cookies. And this was not super early. This was when we were actually just like really getting our getting our stride. And he ordered cookies. And you know, at that time, Luis and I and another guy who was working with us, we would fulfill the orders of stuff. Like, there was no one else to do it. And we will make fun because you see, oh, Pamela Anderson under cookies. And it was Pamela Anderson from Oklahoma, so maybe it's not the Pamela Anderson. Britney Spears from Mississippi, so it's not the Britney Spears. And then it was Dan, Ray Dan Reynolds. Like, oh, this is going to, I think it was at Vegas. This is probably him. So we email him and we ask him, hey, are you T. Dan Reynolds? And he replied like super fast. Yeah, I'm T. Dan Reynolds. Uh, so, oh, we'll... Like, uh, Luis kept chatting with him, and it turns out, and just by chance, we had seen the documentary about Love Loud a few days on, earlier on Amazon. It was, like, absolutely unrelated. And about how he's on a mission to help uh, LGBTQ youth. Like, he's straight. But Love has, Loud being his charity. Love Loud is a charity, yes. What they do is that they build a festival that they do every year in Utah, and do raise funds, and they, do that. they support organizations that provide uh, sort of safe houses for LGBTQ youth, because in Utah, particularly, there's a ton of, uh, of it's, it's a very religious part of the country, so it's, it's tough. So that was kind of, oh, well, we should talk. We sent him the cookies and we let, we followed up and uh, we should talk. And he's like, he was like, uh, we told him our story, uh, how we came and why we decided to come to the US. And he was like, oh, I love this. I, I almost cried and we should do something together. So we decided on doing something for Pride. And pride is one of those things that if it's very easy to dismiss as something that is no longer necessary, no longer important, but we figure out maybe we need to stop being so cynical. Let's do something for pride. And what we did was that we're going to give a portion of the proceeds to Love Loud. We made a special boxes with a Guatemalan artist. It was a whole thing. And when we launched that, the f we launched that, with, I mean, we always, we've never hid our identity as gay men. But we had never explicitly spoke about it. Like our kitchen has a disc ball. Uh, you, if you've seen the boxes, they are pink and loud, and they have we have a dinosaur with a tutu for a mascot. For God's sake, like we are a very queer band. But we never talked about it. Us, uh, like really um, deliberately speaking about our own plight. So we sent an email on March 29th, I think it was. We sent an email. Uh, to all our 100,000 or so subscriber list and telling about what we're doing, telling our story and telling about the collaboration. And within the hour, we started getting, I hope you die. If had I known oh, that no. you were gay, oh yeah. Had I known that you were gay, I would have never purchased your cookies. I hope you die of AIDS. These cookies are gonna give you AIDS and every iteration Holy of shit. that, yeah. We were absolutely shocked because in our idea of we, and this is what planted the seed of what we're doing now, but we're in the United States and in Austin, of course, none of this came from Austin. And those are things that people are very willing. They, they have your, you have their address, their phone number, their email, and they're very willing to sign with their own name on all of those things. A ton of people don't subscribe at that point as well. A long, a long story, but we were shocked because, oh my God, this, this, this doesn't happen in the U.S. I expected it in Guatemala, but I didn't expect it here. And the thing is that we're in Austin, and Austin is like the liberal dot in Texas. So we had forgotten, if you will, 
like how important it was and how privileged we were to be in a place that allowed us to be free the way we were. Because the way the same way that you normalize the bad things, you normalize the good things. So so that was a shock. And we really considered pulling the plug on the whole thing. But we see we said like, okay, no, screw it. We're already here. We already did it. So and that was the first couple of weeks and we got a lot of hate at first. But then later in the month, we started getting emails of a few emails from parents who say, hey, thank you for doing that uh, thing about the pride box. I think that my kid may be queer, but I'm not sure how to approach it. And I don't think he's ready to approach it with me. So I just wanted to give him some gesture so that he knew that I'm okay with it and, I'm, and then I'm here. And that's what planted the seed of our idea of building safe spaces, which is how, like at some point we peeled the layers of the onion and where we landed, where we landed was on building safe spaces as a brand, but it was planted with that collaboration. And actually, when we when we went to the, it took a while to develop, but we went to the Love Love Festival this year because they didn't have it in 2021. We went this year and we met them and we met everyone. Uh, and we were like in awe that that the place, this was in the arena where the Utah Jazz play. And we're in awe that, oh, this is the physical manifestation of the safe spaces that we keep talking about. Like every single person here is respectful of others, respectful of others' identity, comfortable expressing their own identity. And it was a very special place that I've never felt like that anywhere. So that's what really galvanized us to go fully, fully, full steam ahead with the idea of building safe spaces. So you saw it, you experienced it, you felt it in that both when you revealed your relationship, I said your about page, you have you have your wedding photos on here. So it's a, yeah. you said to your list in the, that initial newsletter and you had this horrible reaction and then you started to see it go the other way where people were saying, hey, thank you. And then you start, you experienced it and saw for yourself the need for safe spaces. That then leads to this brand having this extraordinary brand mission. You know, brands, when they are built authentically, they kind of come fully formed like a baby. And then they start growing and showing their personality. You can influence it just, just you know, in a way. But the brand kind of starts revealing itself to you. And at first it was, and like previous versions of this were specifically about the queer identity. And at first, like the very first iteration of it was, oh, we want you to feel like a kid again. And that was like down the line that evolved into the idea of safe spaces. But at the end, everything, if you, the, the, way, the way we see how to treat a brand is if you, you, if you expect a brand to come fully formed, it won't. It just won't in fully form like in a, in a way that you actually fully understand it from the beginning. It won't. You need to be very clear on what your values are, and then like what the events keep shaping it, if you will. So these things happen, and then it's like you have this aha moment that everything that we've been building so far for and for ten years now, everything that we have been building comes down to this because one of the things that is like not really something that we talk about that much, but at the very beginning, Wunderkeks, we had a little store and it was like a garage that we converted. Wunderkeks was built as a safe space. We didn't have the vocabulary to call it that, but it was an expression of my own identity. It was, oh, this guy who, I mean, yeah, of course I was gay. I was 
kind of out but this guy instead of going into a finance job or something he's baking cakes out of a pink box and it was very gay let me tell you like it had like a bubble <laughs> machine outside like it had a bubbles machine outside so the street had bubbles all the time so and it was a, a little pink box but we didn't have the a way to express that we didn't know like what like we didn't have the words for safe space but it was a safe space and it was the same thing the, the reason that we came to the Austin with the brand was to get ourselves a safe space. And again, we never discussed, oh, we're looking for a safe space. Now, in retrospect, we get to say, oh, that's what we were doing. So, and I think in many ways, mission driven brands really help. Forget about like whether you need it or not, because people probably intuitively know, but it really helps to bring into the into your vocabulary all of these ideas. That you kind of understand that yes, if you're a if you're a person who is discriminated against, you're looking for for where or how to find a community where you are not discriminated. That is a safe space. You may not have the words, and when we build on the language and we actually have the words, then we can communicate to each other and say, "This is what I'm looking for. Oh, this is what I'm providing. This is amazing." So that's how you do. It. But you keep building, building, and building. Kind of like the 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 best example I have is like. I don't know, like a marble sculpture starts as a block and you need to start removing and removing and removing until you find what I think it was Michelangelo who took that approach saying, I see it and I'm just liberating it. Right. So, so that's our approach. Do you still use a horse and buggy? How about a fax machine? No? Then don't use a regular Shopify theme when you can use Zipify Pages. Just ask this Zipify user. Zipify Pages. I just found that it converts so much better than any Shopify theme I have used before. And you can create high converting landing pages in really the matter of minutes. Zipify Pages is a powerful landing page and sales funnel builder on Shopify. All their templates are tested and proven by a $155 million e-commerce brand. So you know their stuff actually works. You can copy entire templates, like opt-in pages, product pages, and holiday promotions, or use the drag-and-drop builder to create your own custom layouts. Then publish your pages directly onto your Shopify store. Plus, all pages are optimized for mobile, and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,500 Shopify merchants. To start your free 14-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised bonus, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Uh, so scrolling through your website, I got to the about page, which I, I dearly love. I think about pages are so important and you tell your story, both you and the brand and the mission all interwoven into one story with photos and then framed in just phenomenal, fun, bold, adorable branding. It's like a Lisa Frank notebook, which speaks right to me. I love this aesthetic. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. That is exactly that is exactly what we're what we're going for. Actually, our dream is to have a collaboration with Lisa Frank, which uh, I believe in you. I think it's plausible. I mean, you got Busy Phillips retweeting you, <laughs> the Imagine Dragons guy with you, and one of your advisors is for Ben and Jerry's. Oh yeah, yeah. That was he's been instrumental to shaping this. You know, that's quite incredible. To, uh, tell me about the the branding. You've you mentioned that you've got like. The loud packaging, the phrase pink has come up multiple times here. 
And we're talking like that hot fuchsia pink. I have shoes in this color that I love. Tell me about it. The, the pink is super declarative. And yeah, pink is important. Pink was our color from the very, very, very beginning. And it's so declarative, so loud, so disruptive. So like, we don't want to be, if we're having these hard conversations and they are hard and because they're hard, people really don't want to have it. We try to run away from the hard conversations. So we're kind of in a place where oh, we're not gonna give you the option. We're gonna have this super crazy loud packaging because the idea is this. Yes, we want it to be seen from space, but think of this. If you have a kid and kids, a lot of, a lot of parents have this idea, like kind of tell that kids are different in many ways, not only because they're queer, but I'm guessing I don't have kids, but I can see how it can be very scary to send your kids to say someone else, someone you don't know, like someone else's house that you don't know because they're having a play date with their friends. So think of this, like you see the pink loud box and we invest a ton of money in that box so that people will keep it and they fill it with candy or whatever after, after the fact. But if you see that box, you say, oh, so this person is consuming this brand that is all about very loudly about these things. So they are probably all right. They'll probably understand my concerns. This is the safe space that I need for my kid. And what that says, because brands, the brands we consume, this is our ba our main thesis. The brands we consume tell our story. We use them to tell our story. We use them as external signifiers. Whether you're a Coke person or a Pepsi person, those are two different types of people. So same here. If you are, if you have a wunderkind box of cookies in your counter, you have, you have, at the very least, you had to read our packaging. So you have had to hear about this. So you have had these conversations and we have found people who are kind of repulsive by what we're saying. Like we have a lady sending us an email a few months back saying, I love the cookies, but I'm never buying from you again because the box is pink. And my <sighs> husband is very uncomfortable about having, oh, you'll be surprised how many of those there are. This was more, maybe the most extreme one, but I am not comfortable. My husband is not comfortable having a pink box sitting on the counter. Like <laughs> I wouldn't bring this to me. I think it's a problem that your husband should bring to a professional, not to me as a brand. But, but and by the same token, we have gotten a request from people to, oh, I, will, I love your cookies, but I need something more toned down. Oh, perfect. I can give you a list of competitors that do toned down branding. We are not the toned down version of anything. We are loud by design. So there's people out there that are just offended by the color of the packaging? Utterly inane. You need, like, if that's your issue and you're emailing someone about it, you need better problems in your life. Uh, that's also, that's also true. But what, the way I, the way I see it, the way I see it, like, of course, that is the, the sassy answer. And it's also true. Like, definitely they need to find better things to do with their time. But at the end of the day, the way we see it, it is indicative of the problem we're talking about. And this is where the safe spaces has been kind of hard to convey at times. Because think of, you find it the stu uh, to be the stupidest thing ever. I find it to be the stupidest thing ever. If I send cookies uh, to your typical white girl who grew up in LA, she finds it to be the stupidest thing ever. She doesn't really grab her. So are people homophobic? But I know gay people. I've known gay people all the time. I I know people of all backgrounds and I have not, not a problem with all of them. They're just people, which is what you hope. But that's the problem. It's very easy to forget how privileged you are 
that you are in an environment when you get to freely say that. Because Texas is a good example. We're in Austin. Yes, go Beto. And move 50 miles from where I'm at, and it's a completely different story. Actually, we were living in a town like not far, like a suburb of Austin, and we've never experienced any sort of discrimination or violence or anything. But it was like, this place is very white, like crazy, uncomfortably white, like that movie, you know, no, uh, what was the name of that movie? Uh, Get Out? Get Out, it was, yeah. Yeah, this place is very uncomfortably white, and, it's, and we're used to this diversity because we're in Austin, and when we moved 20 miles from here, it's a completely different story. So I have absolutely no problem. Like, no one is looking at me because I, I mean, I'm from Guatemala, but I pass as white. But if you're a black person, oh, um, you're a black person, or even ourselves, like, I wouldn't dare hold my husband's hand in that place. Whereas in Austin, I feel absolutely comfortable doing so. So it's very, but the thing is that it's very easy for us to forget the privilege that we have. And those are the people that we're talking to. I mean, they, they are just cookies. At the end of the day, you have to be very aware that you're not curing cancer, you're not solving racism, you're selling cookies, and that is important to kind of stay in your lane, if you will. But the people that we need to talk are the, is the white girl in LA who doesn't, who has a lot of trouble wrapping her head around homophobia and racism and all the isms in the world because she, she needs to be aware of her privilege and she needs to be aware of her power. So that's the conversation we're having. You need to be aware of your power and you need to be aware that you have the, that you get and you should be extending the safe spaces that you enjoy because you're privileged as a white woman. And this is not playing the oppression Olympics because we all have our cross to bear, but these people are like, this is a very privileged person. So she needs to be aware. I get to extend this privilege to others. And I need to be vocal because some people are suffering and some people are not comfortable around me are not comfortable around certain communities because we are so enamored with our own privilege that say, oh, this life is perfect. There's no racism is solved. And a lot of people think that way. I was so skeptical about the idea of cookies with a mission. <laughs> Certainly I knew like you could sell stuff and donate and make donations, and that's impactful. You could speak to it, and that's impactful. But the genuine authenticity and meaningful potential impact of attaching a mission to a cookie, a brownie, a box that's pink, I, I was skeptical. And now oh, hearing so you talk about <laughs> it and having gone through this with you, I am so impressed, and I am an utter, I am an absolute believer. Um, in in your mission, in what you're saying, I think you're absolutely right. And I obviously I'm going to include Wonder Kicks in the show notes, but I'm also going to include a link directly to the about page, which I think is such a great example of a, a of storytelling of an about page of a a brand knowing its purpose. I I love it. You did such a great job. Thank you. Actually, we're updating it just a bit, but uh, I have uh, we're we are about to print the new version of what goes into the packaging. And I would love to read it because I think it does a very good distinction. It's a, it's a little card that we sent, that we sent out, but can I read it? This you? is a pack-in? So, uh, mm -hmm. it, it comes into, okay. it's, it's a card that comes with every, with every of but I think it really captures what we're doing because all of this that we'll be talking about is the result of a lot of thought and a lot of evolution and a lot of 
questioning things. So I think we finally landed on the exact way to express it. But let me, it's super quick. But this comes with every box of cookies, it says, with a very cool cartoon of Luis and I. We built Bundercakes from our belief that foods we share help tell the story of who we are, and that by openly, fearlessly telling our stories, we create the safe spaces others may need to tell theirs. Think of a birthday cake, of going for ice cream on a Sunday afternoon, of baking cookies with grandma. The rituals we've built around sweets are all about the unconditional love and acceptance. They all bring us back to when we were very little, when the world was all light and no one had ever made us feel that there was something wrong with us. A few years ago, we left our home country of Guatemala for Austin, Texas, looking for, um, for our very own safe space. We found it, and our outlook in life was forever changed. Ever since, we made it our mission to share the joy we found. Our hope is that you will share this box of cookies along with your willingness to listen. That this loud pink box will become, for you and yours, a symbol of allyship and a marker of a safe space. We hope you will join us building a joyful, creative world. XOXO, Luis and Hans. And I'm reading because it, we're very excited about this. <laughs> we did a few days ago and it's like, we're so excited about like finally distilling the message. And, it, and that's harder than it sounds to try and come up with a, to make a story and make a mission both concise and still impactful. And you, you totally nailed it there. All right, I'm sold. I want the cookies. I want to join the, the community. Where do I go? Where should I follow you? Where do I get the cookies? Tell me. Well, you can get the cookies at wondercakes.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And we have a little group uh, called I Heart Wondercakes on Facebook. You can join our mailing list on our website. And the most meaningful way you can join this, we are about to launch our equity crowdfunding round. So you can own a little piece of Wondercakes if you want. Uh, we're uh, raising we're raising a million dollars in Republic, and that should allow us to go to supermarkets. And how do I find out about that? I just join the newsletter. You can join the newsletter, and when it's launched, it will be there. Or you can go to republic.com/wonderkex. Republic.com/wonderkex. I will include that. Awesome. Yeah, it's all about what we're doing, what we're building, what our goals are. Because at the end of the day, the way we see it a successful business is a vehicle for this mission. So it needs to be a successful business and it needs to grow. This is not like, oh, we have the cutesy corner store. Like we are aiming to conquer the world. I love it. Han Shrai, <laughs> Wonderkex, thank you so much. <laughs> awesome, thank you for having me. Hold up, stop what you're doing. Go log in your Shopify store. You there yet? Okay, check your apps. How many do you have installed right now? More important, how much money are you paying for those apps every month? Here's the reality. Most Shopify store owners are managing dozens of marketing apps, but you don't necessarily need all those apps to drive sales. That's why I recommend my friends at Privy. With the Privy app, you can take advantage of at least five apps in one. Manage all your website conversion, list growth, email, and SMS marketing all in one place. Yes, that also includes features like countdown timers, cross-sell campaigns, free shipping bars, abandoned cart emails, you name it, this thing is powerful. So save the time, money, and headaches from toggling between dozens of apps and get Privy today.